Well, they thought they had Jesus again, didn't they? These Pharisees always have their traps. They always have their accusations to make against our Lord. But hopefully you remember last week, and hopefully you remember something of the week before. Nobody, nobody gets Jesus because he is the master. This week we hear how Jesus is the master of God's grace, how he is the master of God's forgiveness, and those things should always be joined together. They are married together, peanut butter and jelly, grace and forgiveness, Christ and forgiveness go together. Now, it's a basic law of supply and demand, isn't it? You don't have to be a master economist to know these things, that when supply is high, The price of a thing goes down. The value goes down. It's a basic rule of economics, and we can see it in the world all around us. They are inversely related, we would say mathematically. When the supply is low, the price is high. The value is high. Just watch the gas prices go up and down, and you can see what happens as supply goes up and as supply comes down. Or if you don't want to think about gasoline this morning, think of water in the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, water was in high supply, right? God opened the windows of heaven and he opened the fissures of the deep. If you were with me yesterday at the Ark over in eastern Kentucky, you saw these great models of how the rain came down for 40 days and 40 nights, but it wasn't just that rain was pouring down from above, but the waters, the fountains of the deep were opened and water... Well, water was everywhere, which is great if you're a fish, right? It's great if you're a whale. It's great if you team in the waters. But, you know, if you need the breath of life, if you need oxygen, well, suddenly, suddenly that high supply of water makes you value it not very much. How is it with God's grace? Does the grace of Jesus Christ obey the law of supply and demand? When it is in high supply, do we value it very little? And when it's in low supply, do we value it all the more? Or does economics have nothing to do with the grace of Jesus? Jesus came into this world to flood it, but not with judgment and anger and wrath. He came into this world to open the windows of heaven of grace, the grace of God, and he caused the fountains of his heart to burst forth, and instead of destructive tidal waves and terrible things that came on the earth, it was grace that filled all in all. St. Paul says it beautifully in Romans chapter 1. I'm sorry, St. John says it beautifully in John chapter 1. From him we have all received grace upon grace. Jesus didn't come into this world to just kind of toe the line, to raise the supply just until it met the level of demand. No, he came to flood everything with his love, to flood the whole world with his grace. The flood of grace that Jesus gives can be seen quite clearly, can't it, in the words that he spoke to that paralytic man. But such a flood, such a rich supply, such generosity can lead to us taking it all for granted, right? When the pipelines are wide open and gas costs 99 cents, you don't think twice about filling up, do you? You don't think twice about leaving the lawnmower running. You don't think twice about what will happen if we just use up all this gas because there will always be more and it's always cheap. And if we're not careful, that same kind of thinking can overtake us when we consider God's grace. Well, it will always be there. And there will always be a lot. 
And Jesus came into the world to flood us with his grace, and he has surrounded us with the forgiveness of sins to such an extent that I don't even have to think twice about it. The church service is full of the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins from the beginning to the middle to the end. We are surrounded like fish in the water with God's grace. We are surrounded with forgiveness. And that's just the way Jesus would have it. That's just the way Jesus would have it because he's not stingy. He's not stingy with his grace even when we are reluctant to acknowledge how wonderful it is. He is not stingy with his supply just because we tend to take these things for granted when they become common to us. Jesus doesn't say, well, I'm going to make them really think twice. I'm going to raise the price. I'm going to lower the supply. I'm going to make them beg for mercy. No, Jesus is rich in grace. He is too generous. He is too lavish for us. And so we take these things for granted and we hear what he says to this paralyzed man, be of good cheer, my son. Your sins are forgiven. And we think, ho-hum, no big deal. That doesn't really help, does it? I mean, the guy's paralyzed, Jesus. Why don't you give him something worthwhile? Why don't you give him something that he really needs? This forgiveness of sins business, that can wait. This forgiveness of sins, this divine grace, what good does all of that do? This man needs to walk. This man has other pressing problems. This world has other pressing problems. We don't need grace. Well, we do, right? It's not like we totally ignore these things, but we put them in the back seat. We put them in a back corner somewhere, and we say, well, someday we'll get around to it. Someday when we really need that stuff, we'll consider it then. But what we really need now is not grace, is not forgiveness. But look, Jesus doesn't obey us, just like he didn't obey those Pharisees. And so even when we take for granted his grace, he doesn't say, well, let's turn down the supply. He says, give them more. He says, turn on the fire hose of God's grace. Let it fill their hearts and their minds until they get it through their heads that this is precisely what the paralyzed man needed and it is precisely what we all need. Be of good cheer, Jesus said long ago, and he still causes that message to go out into your ears. He says to each and every one of you this morning, be of good cheer, Cheer up. Smile a little bit. God loves you. Cheer up. Your sins are forgiven. You're suffering. I understand that. You have problems. You have difficulties. You see the condition of the world around. You see the condition of your own bodies within. Be of good cheer, for you have my grace, Jesus says. Be of good cheer. You are my child. Be of good cheer. I have come into this world to take upon myself your sins, your maladies, your sicknesses, your death. And I have been raised up to give you my life, my forgiveness, my grace, my status as God's own beloved son. So be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. That's the message of the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus has caused that message to go out into the four corners of the earth. But so often, so often what is in high supply is so little valued. You heard the Pharisee's objection. He's not allowed to do that. It doesn't really count because he's not God. And of course, Jesus' whole point in raising that man up and giving him legs again was to show that actually, Pharisees, your objection doesn't hit home. For the Son of Man is the Son of God, and God has authorized Jesus. It really counts when he forgives sins. But I don't think that's really our objection, is it? 
When we hear this passage, we don't think, well, Jesus isn't allowed to do that. No, I think what rises in our hearts, or at least what comes up in mine, is that it doesn't matter. It just doesn't really affect what the man needs. It's not what he wants. It's not what he needs, Jesus. Give him what he needs. Heal him. Don't forgive his sins. Forget about all of that. That's because we don't understand the power of sin, do we? We separate in our minds things like sin and sickness and corruption and weakness and death into these little categories, and we think, well, when I have a sin problem, right, if I commit some kind of heinous sin, then I need forgiveness. But when I have, like, a sickness problem or when I have, like, a life problem, well, then I need some other kind of help. And so you can see how the world runs around to doctors. How many of you have 10 doctor's appointments every single week? We run from doctor appointment to doctor appointment to doctor appointment to doctor appointment, and there's nothing wrong with doctors. Don't misunderstand me. But it's not like, it's not like we can separate out all of these things. Here's my spiritual health over here. Here's my physical health over here. Here's my mental health over here. All of these things are together. And Jesus knows that. And so when he looked on that man who was paralyzed, he didn't tell him something that he didn't need. He didn't look on the guy and say, well, I wish I could really help you, but all I can give you is the forgiveness of sins, so maybe that'll help you somehow. Jesus sees to the heart of the matter. He knows that what the real malady of this world is, is sin. He came into this world and he knows that sin is not simply an act that a person takes here or there. It's not simply a spare thought that we have or a stray word that we say or an empty thought that goes on in our minds, but it is an all-consuming power that hangs over us. This is the way St. Paul so often talks in his epistles, as if sin was this power that hung over us. The wages of sin, we know this passage quite well, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And what he's saying there is that sin is like our master. It's like in control of our lives. And what it pays out to us, the wage that sin gives to its slaves, is death. See how intimately connected sin and weakness and sickness and paralysis and death are. These things hang over us. These things weigh down on us. And if we think that the forgiveness of sins is just the canceling out of a little mistake I made on Monday or maybe a slip-up I had on Thursday, then when we come into the church and hear, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven, we're going to sit there and think, okay, but let's get to what I really need. The power of sin, being under sin, is not just that we make a mistake every once in a while. It is a way of being. It is down into our bones. It is our very nature corrupted and held under the force of sin. And so being under sin includes all of the being unders that we experience, being under corruption. And so all the cancers that come up and all the problems that overwhelm us and all the weaknesses that we feel so much in our bodies, those are just as much a sin problem as they are a problem with the body. And so we can't simply run to the doctor and say, give me a prescription, give me a treatment, give me a surgery. We should get those things when we need them, but we must understand that simply addressing the physical issue, simply having temporary healing without God's grace, 
would do us no good in the long run. Just consider if Jesus looked at that man and said, my son, be of good cheer, get up and walk. And he said nothing about grace. He said nothing about forgiveness. Well, I'm sure that that man would be happy. I'm sure he would go home overjoyed. I'm sure he would dance and leap and skip and run for joy. But Jesus would have held out, wouldn't he? When Jesus looks on paralyzed men, when Jesus looks on those who are weighed down under the load of sin, under the power of sin, he doesn't just want to relieve a little burden. He wants to break the whole power of sin. He wants to rip you free from the authority of sin. He wants to set you free from corruption, from death, and from the wages of sin with all that it implies. And so when Jesus says, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven, you must not hear that as if he's holding out. For Jesus never holds back. He never holds out. He always gives all that he has. Be of good cheer, my son, I have come to break the power of sin. That's what he's saying to the man, and that's what he's saying to you every time you hear that message of forgiveness. Be of good cheer. Those things that weigh down on you, they do not have the hold over you. Those things that oppress you, those things that give you tears on your bed, those things that you feel in your heart, whether it's guilt or whether it's simply the effects of living in a fallen and sinful world, Jesus says they will not have the final say on you, for you are his own child. Be of good cheer, child. Be of good cheer, my son. Take heart, for the power of sin is broken in me, and you are no longer under sin. You have a new master. You are not under the power of sin with corruption and decay and bondage and weakness and sickness and death. You are under the power of Christ. And what he gives you in place of sin is something better by far. The wages of sin is death, and he wants to pay it out to you. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so instead of being paid out with weakness and sickness and death, Jesus says, let me pay you something better. Let me give you something better. Let me give you rest for your soul. Let me give you healing for your body. Let me give you resurrection and eternal life. Let me remove all that power of sin and all the tears that it brings and give you instead something that causes a smile. Yes, even in a Lutheran church, you are allowed to smile when you hear the forgiveness of sins. Be of good cheer, Jesus says, for you belong to me. And in my church, in my company, in my hospital for sinners, I will surround you with grace. I will drown you in it. I will pour it out from above and I will cause the fountains beneath you to burst forth with my love and my grace. And so it's not enough, is it, for Jesus to simply have you hear that your sins are forgiven. He wants you to taste and see. He wants it to be all around you. He wants every breath that you take. He wants every stroke that you take to be full of his grace and his mercy. Corruption has been replaced with incorruptibility. Mortality has been replaced with immortality. And sin, sin and guilt have been replaced with forgiveness and freedom. There is a new creation that, has, that takes place wherever this good news is proclaimed. Just like there was a new creation for that man who sat up and picked up his bed and went home and said, thanks, friends, but I don't need you anymore. How wonderful would that be to no longer need to be carried around? Well, Christ Jesus causes a new creation in each one of your hearts. Put off the old self, St. Paul says, and put on the new. Put off anger 
Put off malice. Put off resentment. Put off grudges. Put off lying. Put off those things. Take them off. Why would you want to wear that stuff? It's ugly. Get in style. Put on the new man, Christ Jesus. For as he is towards you, so also you must now be towards one another. Instead of speaking deceitful things, instead of speaking harmful things, let us learn from our Lord Jesus how to talk with one another with humility, with meekness, with forgiveness. Chief among the new things that Christ Jesus gives to his disciples is this, the power to forgive to not hold against everyone everything that they've ever said or everything that they've ever done or everything that they've ever thought. But just as Christ Jesus has lifted that burden of sin off of you by forgiving you, so also you now are to forgive those around you. That means your husbands. That means your wives. That means your children. That means your fellow congregation members. That means the people who you work with. That means the people who you barely even know. But this is what Christ Jesus has brought into the world. This is the flood of his mercy and his grace that pulls you out from being under sin and puts you under him. The forgiveness of sins is not a supply and demand kind of thing. Do you understand? Christ Jesus has not come to balance the line to find just the right point between high supply and low supply. He has come to flood the world with his grace. So gulp up that grace. Store it up in your hearts. Let it never be enough for you to simply hear once in a while, but let it be every breath that you take. Let it be like a fish in the sea on the day of the flood. Let your heart rejoice this morning for your Lord Jesus. Your Lord Jesus has taken you out from being under sin, and he has brought you under his grace. Gulp up his grace like a fish. Gulp in his, his grace like Noah and his sons on that ark who surely, surely gulped in the fresh air when they got off that boat. Gulp it all up for Christ Jesus loves to bestow on you. He loves to give more and more and more of his grace. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.